This is my favorite one. Sorensen for uh, hour or two or part two. Say hi, Ryan. Hello. Ryan, Ryan is from the Disraeli Dreamers. We're allowed to say that. It is still currently accurate. Um, that video you guys just posted. Oh. Holy shit, is that awesome? <laughs> uh, the space like woman? Yep. Yeah. Is that on YouTube? It must be, yeah. I think... I don't, you know what? I, I think we just threw it up on uh, like my Facebook page, yeah. and it's going to be on Spotify shortly. We kind of missed the boat. We we're supposed to release it for the uh, Storm uh, Area 51, but oh. didn't, didn't <laughs> <quite> <laughs> go up in time. It is a departure, that's for sure, but it's super <laughs> fun. It is so awesome. I'll, I'll link it, uh, I'll link it uh, on the show notes for sure. It, it, it's awesome. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. And that was such a toned down version of it. Our, the, the person who put it together for us went in this really crazy direction. It had it was violent. It had so much nudity in it. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, whoa. Were, were like, you naked, Ryan? Is that what you're telling us? Uh, the breasts were modeled after a real, a real thing, but uh, thankfully not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, because I was talking to you and the singer. Yeah. Um, and because uh, I chat with him every once in a while. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's dead. He says, it's dead. Or nothing's happening. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like no, that's not right. And then uh, I see the video pop up. I'm like, oh, oh. Get my fingers crossed. So, uh Sorry, the only frame of reference that I have for which you guys seem to be talking about is fucking in a UFO by Rob Zombie. So. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, know. Like, well, like I said, we're, we're sitting on a ton of material, so we, we have a lot of recorded stuff. Um, so that was one of the songs that were going to be on the album. and then Was it? Yeah, for sure? For sure. Oh, yeah, nice. But like you said, it's a departure, yeah. and it was a little bit too out there it wasn't really gelling with the direction we were going in so it just made sense to to just throw it out there yeah i could always do an album of b-sides oh yeah exactly but uh it wasn't going to make a any main collection i'm just pulling up your band here i'm gonna embarrass the shit out of you Ooh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see oh hey the facebook page is back up it is Dipping our toe back in, because I remember because I, I I went and looked it up. Like, what's going on here? I'll I'll share this link too. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear that. Can you hear that? Yep. Yeah. I gotta make sure I don't play too many minutes though. Yeah. Ryan will sue us. Never <laughs> <laughs> know. Um, royalties. That that video. Well. That video for Shotguns and Chivalry. Yeah. Uh, who put that together? Uh, so we have a friend, uh, Eric. Uh, he actually lives in Ireland. And, uh, yeah, he's 
uh, really huge into animation, so he offered uh, to do it for us, and yeah, thought it turned out really cool. If uh, you saw any of our uh, Toba Rockfest uh, promo stuff, he's the person who put all all that video together too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Why don't you talk about the festival? Uh, yeah. So we did uh, myself, Evan Chandler from. Uh, Northern Royals and CJ Lone from uh, Bloodshots. We put together Toba Rockfest uh, last year. T O B A. Yeah. Yeah. One day uh, indie festival where we got uh, Jet Set Satellite to reunite and headline the show. Um, we really wanted to do it again this year, but we had uh, some legal stuff we had to sort out um, from uh, year one. So 2020 looks like it'll be the new festival. Sweet. Nice. Yeah, I was excited. Jets at Satellite, like totally out of left field. Yep. The band that not everybody forgot, but it's like as soon as you, you hear that name, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because um, one, uh, one degree of separation with those guys. Um, they all had their hair done at Hair Effect Salon. I don't know if you knew that or not. No. It was, uh, it was a conscious decision by the band. Honestly, like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Conscious decision by the band. They all went and got their hair done at Hairfax Salon, which is where my wife used to work. She oh, worked cool. there for 10 years. So I used to see those guys in there all the time. Because uh, the guitar player, whose name escapes me at the moment. Dave? Yeah, it must be Dave. Uh, his fiance, girlfriend, Janelle, she worked there. So I was kind of... So I actually got to see them play. I think they played a Halloween show um, way back in the day. And that was my introduction to them. So then after that, I'd just go buy their CDs when they came out in hard copy. Nice, yeah. Those guys were on fire for for, for a couple of years, or maybe like 10 years ago. They they dropped two fantastic albums. Yep, I got them both. Yeah, with a bunch of um, singles that uh, did really well on, like, particularly Canadian rock radio. Well, they got played on the, the local rock stations for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, because the, the, Vegas a, was playing on 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 there. I remember for sure. Yeah, they had a decent uh, na- national presence, and then uh, yeah, they just kind of uh, drifted away. But uh, could see that Trevor, the frontman, really wanted to get the band back together again. They were so that like, was his. That was he was the impetus there on on the band side. Yeah, I I, I got the idea because I, I was always a fan of them, and I'd love to see yeah. them back and you know just sort of bridging the topics we we're talking about before like promoters are always looking for new angles or something different mm-hmm. to you know attract people to their projects so I thought a reunion of jet site would be unique uh, particularly in winnipeg uh, so i approached uh, trevor with the idea he liked it and then it all sort of came together so now for toba 2 there's a lot of talk of what band are we going to reunite this time? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have do you have some ideas? I mean, you don't have to share them because it's all whatever. But do you have some ideas who, who you'd approach? I know Dome. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, everyone keeps asking for Rush, but I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> you and Getty aren't tight. Mm, not as much as I'd like to be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we have ideas. We've like sent some feelers out, but something kind of centric, Manitoba centric sort of thing, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. I like that because when I when you announced uh, announced that and all that, I was like, this makes a lot of freaking sense. Like it, it from a marketing side, it was a really good idea, and I thought the promotion of it 
the, the idea behind of it, it, I, it gained a lot of interest. Like people were like, oh, it, it, it didn't feel it. Cause there's so many festivals in Manitoba. Like there's tons of them and there's like a hundred bands playing or whatever. But this felt, this actually stood out cause it was something unique to it. So kudos on that. Like that, that was a great execution there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so for for this new one, uh, it's definitely a bigger concept. So for sure, we want to keep that local like Toba flavor, uh, but this time we're reaching out to more national acts as well. Good, awesome. Do they still have outdoor venues like they had Sunfest, or do they still have that? No, because they have Folk Fest, right? And it's usually a whole weekend, and it's, yep. and it's just it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So obviously, the music scene is there is it just this type of music like if you had say a folk fest but have it like the sun fest that they used yeah, to have more and, and i remember that, that that was really there was a lot of people Did you, you were you do you remember the sun fest was it called that was it called? It was do you called. remember sun was that before your time uh i think so it was like the biggest festival in in well, manitoba one of the our, biggest in canada we would have been in our 20s so oh yeah okay so that was like, like ten years ago. What uh, <laughs> what uh, type of bands or where was it held? Um, well, they had Neil, well one year Neil Young headlined, and then Pearl Jam opened for him. Kim Mitchell was there when I was there one time. Yeah, uh-huh. Kim, that's when Kim Mitchell was like big name. Yeah. But it was all like the big rock bands. What did Neil the Headstones Ye- there? Oh, the oh the Headstones, yeah, for sure. Uh, Danko Jones, I think, would have been in around that time. No, maybe uh, Watchmen. Maybe the Watchmen played there for sure. But it was it was like one of the, the biggest festivals in Canada, and it was a big deal. And then I don't know, it just kind of fell apart at some point. Um, but that was that was the, I think that was the festival that everybody emulated after because you've got the big country at the Dauphin Country Fest, uh, which Dauphin Country Fest is really the new Sunfest. It's just country. Yeah. But it, I think the uh, the model of it is identical to Sunfest, and that and I think that th- that thing's huge. Yeah. Have you ever been one? Uh, country Fest, yeah, I've been to Country Fest. I mean, it's not, still a tenth of the size of Folk Fest. In oh yeah, no, no. That, but yeah, Folk Fest is its own thing too. It's quite a bit different than I think the Country Fest would be anyway, right? Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're both big outdoor festivals with multiple stages. multiple stages. Okay. Yeah. I think the Folk Fest is more of a family with young kids. And it's being, like when you have young kids, like yourself, it's, it's, it's hard to go out. But if you have something geared towards that, then you'd be more inclined to go. So probably that's why it's more popular than it would be for, say, a Sunfest or a Country Fest. where it just I think of, Sunfest was one stage with two very small stages or something like that, wasn't it? Um, I, I definitely remember that there was at least you know, the one big stage and maybe one smaller stage. And I think their their main goal was to compete against Folk Fest, I think was their kind of thing. Like, yeah. okay, you guys have your festival, but we want to rock and roll, uh, that sort of thing. I remember it was a big coup when they got Pearl Jam, because Pearl Jam had just recorded that album with um, with Neil Young, right? Mirrorball. Like, that was the backing band. Neil Young needed a band, and Pearl Jam was the band. <laughs> which, is, which is insane if you think about yeah. it, right? That's when he was called the godfather of grunge and all that yeah. and that's how pearl jam made it here because they were well can you i need i need a backing band so they came in so the exposure they, yeah i don't know if they actually played with neil or if they just played before him but i remember it was a big that was the biggest sunfest year for sure they may go for bigger venues maybe toronto or something maybe. yeah 
But they're very picky with who they play through. Like they had that whole Ticketmaster thing twenty years ago, where the bands, you know, there's too many scalpers. There's too much. Uh, Ticketmaster is making too much money. Like they're just hoarding all the money. They're not paying the artist. They're ripping off the fans. Like that was their big thing. I don't know, Sounds like ago. music companies in general. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get as much money, suck as much money out of the band as they can. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, to see, to see we're totally off. Off. So I actually had a, I had a plan coming in this morning. Actually, uh, did, did we veer off again? We veered <laughs> off, but that's okay. Uh, something I kind of want to do when we have someone special in the studio is I wanted to play a game. Okay. So the game's called Five Faces of Geek, and Ryan is going to give us his five, and you can pick whatever it is. It might be music. It might be geekery it might be movies it might be comic books pick pick a topic and give us your five and then we'll talk about each each of your five and give us our experience with whatever you're throwing at us cool um let's do let's do comic book movies oh god okay Okay. i'm totally in I just got a little excited. That's 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 right um, up your alley. I'm almost excited <laughs> enough for Todd to say the keyword of the episode: desire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, so so, so you so you're, you're so gonna, just go one by one. Yeah. Are you gonna? Is it like a top five? Is it just five of your favorite in no particular order? What do you give? Five it? terrible ones. Oh, terrible's good. Um, how about this? Let's do uh, five. Um, upcoming ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, go current. Okay, so, so no particular order, but probably the number one most anticipated movie for me right now is Joker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch yeah. it. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I wanted to kind of plan a Meet the Geeks movie or whatever. Sean Geek, Meet the Geeks, go out and go watch this movie. Yeah. It's uh, definitely generating a lot of buzz, both controversial and, you know, Oscar buzz as well. Oscar buzz. Yeah. So, what's your what? Why? Why is this your top? So I fancy myself a cinephile. Like I love well-made movies, and I also like the comic book genre. And it looks like it's the perfect marriage of both. It looks like it's a like a prestige film um, that actually has like a comic book roots. Uh, just everything I've seen about the marketing, what I've read of the reviews of people who have seen it so far, looks like uh, Joaquin Phoenix is a, does a tour de force performance. It looks like it's dark, cynical, riffs on Martin Scorsese's movies from the 80s, which I'm a giant fan of. Oh, so, yeah. Just everything about this looks like it was tailor-made for me. <laughs> I don't know. This is random. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with all those points. Todd, what's your what's your Todd's not the comic book movie guy, so I always like to get his opinion because it's always uh, interesting about the Joker movie. Yeah, I you know what? After what happened on the last one, the last the, what? The Joker. Well, like, who played the Joker? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, and everything that that happened around that and and. Uh, you know him playing the character to the point where, I don't know if it, it uh, 
we call it disturbed him or, or whatnot or couldn't get out of it or whatever it was uh, and then he committed suicide right well he had an he had an overdose or an overdose or yeah. what had happened I don't so, think it was intentional suicide so I think with everything that happened behind that now that they're putting this this movie out there's a lot of attention on it probably more so than than any other movie because of what had happened. And just watching the previews and how it, it uh, how the movie's going to come out, it's very, let's call it intriguing, it's very, uh, you don't really have to advertise as much as probably any other type of movie because of it. Yeah, it's got an automatic built-in buzz, right? Yeah, there's a buzz to it, so it, it should be good. And it looks like it's going to be a good movie too, and I, I definitely want to see it. Well, I'm kind of interested to see whether or not they're going to go with, like, you know, the anti-hero route. You know, kind of like... Uh, I, I don't think that's where they're going. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the Joker's always kind of been the classic villain. Like, the villain's No, villain. he's a... Yeah, he's not an... He's a villain, flat out. Yeah. But he's not your normal villain. He's, like, the psychotic villain. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, way out there. Uh, the Joker comic book, um, it was a, a one-off. Blanking on the name of the uh, writer, he did uh, 100 Bullets. Oh, uh, Azzarello. Yeah. Ryan Azzarello. And, uh, you know, that kind of, I thought, perfectly illustrated the Joker, you know, how, you know, he can almost, you know, seem appealing, but the deeper you delve into it. But the, he's, yeah, he's not. It's, yeah. It might, it's a surface appeal. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, the one major turning point for, you know, the main character of that, Johnny Frost, was, you know, when he watched the Joker slaughter two innocent uh, elderly people in their bed. Yeah. And realized, you know, just how crazy he was for one to be like the Joker. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping they're going to bring to this uh, to this movie, that they're not going to try to make him an anti-hero. I don't think they're making him an anti-hero at all. Yeah. I, yeah. And interesting, too, like, the director is Todd Phillips. Right. The Hangover. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not, like, when he did The Hangover, he was, like, of the Martin Scorsese, like, I think the stuff he did before he was the Martin Scorsese guy, like that type of filmmaker. And then he did the hangover, which was actually kind of a darker comedy, it, right? It for sure is. And then, but I think people discount his abilities as a director because he had massive success with a quote unquote comedy, but he's a serious filmmaker. He's always been a serious filmmaker. I think, I think, it's good for him to do this movie and go, no, 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 no. I am a filmmaker. I made comedies, but I made amazing, I made an amazing, like the hangover one's an amazing comedy. It's got so much dark edges to it. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not a piece of fluff. It's not, you know, it's not wedding crashers. No, no, no. This is way different. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. They use a different formula. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Well, that was good. Nice um, yeah. Are you, are you a Joaquin Phoenix fan? Um, uh, y- yes, I, I enjoy him and everything, uh, that he's in, like for, uh, probably in the conversation for top 10 working actors in Hollywood today. Yeah, me too. Yeah, definitely. What's your, what's your favorite that you've seen him in? Oh, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the movie right now, but, uh, that's Scientology movie. Oh, the master. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a genius oh the master's good. A new movie. Uh, the master a is a couple years old. Right? I actually got it up here. Uh, is it on know. Netflix? <laughs> it was. I think that's where I saw it. Uh, it's from t- 2012. Yeah. That movie was great. Oh man, that movie was so good. He's even great in like not so good movies. I think the first time I saw him was probably in 
uh, eight millimeter, like a Joel Schumacher and Nicolas Cage movie, and he's even good in that. Like even in like small roles. That was a that dark was movie. Him. Yeah, that was I might have dark, to go back and watch it. That was a really dark movie. Eight millimeter. Yes, that yeah, was. Yeah. Um, I think the movie that I saw him in first. I'm just going through the. He was in, did you know he was in the Superboy TV series? No. <laughs> really? He played, he played Billy Hercules. Um, I'm just going to kind of, he, so he was in one of the first earlier ones was like Inventing the Abbots. He was in U-Turn. U-Turn was a really good movie. Uh, Return to Paradise and then Clay Pigeons with um, Vince Vaughn. Eight Millimeter, here we go, The Yards. And then Gladiator, I think that was the big breakout role for him. Yeah, that's where I definitely remember Did he get an Oscar for that one, or did he... He he was nominated for sure. Nominated for support, for sure. Yeah. But, man, he was good in that. Uh, He was really good in Signs. That was the M. Night Shyamalan movie. (laughs) I, Yeah. Hey, you can say what you want. I like all of M. Night's movies. Even The Last Airbender I like. Ooh. Haven't actually managed to watch it yet. I'm an M Night Defender as well, but there's certain ones After Earth and um, I haven't seen that one actually. Is it that is it bad? It is not good. It's not like a terribly made movie. It's just a slog to get through. And Uh, there's no chemistry between Will Smith and uh, his son. Oh okay. Yeah. (laughs) What about like The Village? Oh yeah, I love it. I actually like The Village. I like The Village a lot. Yep. That's another M Night movie. I know that was sort of the turning point, like, you know, in a mainstream sense of people. For M. Night? Yeah. yeah. Like people were starting to get off the M. Night train. Yeah. But no, I thought th- I thought it was an incredibly well-made movie. It has, like, a brilliant score. Cinematography was great. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many parts of that movie that work so well. Yeah. I, we bought it. Like, we were on the M. Night train, like, right from from that first movie. Uh, what else did he do? He did, okay, so he did Hotel Rwanda, which I didn't realize. I might have to go back and watch that. And then he did Walk the Line. He got another Oscar nom for that, mm-hmm. which I'm like, why did you cast him? He doesn't look. But then he acts, and it's like, you know what? It's irrelevant that he doesn't look like Johnny. Because he embodies him. Yeah, yeah, but he, like, the amount of effort this guy puts into making a movie, though, is like, he learned how to play guitar, and he learned how to sing. And then he went and did a tour, and he actually performed at a bunch of prisons to get the feel. Like, he went all in to play Johnny. Well. Yes. Oh, yeah. Some of them get right into it. Because Reese Witherspoon could sing already. I mean, he couldn't. He was nothing. So he learned from scratch. And I want to do this role justice. So um, the master, yeah, that was good. What did you guys think about the, um, excuse me, I'm still here. That was the role he spent two years on. And he went on uh, David Letterman. Oh, he had the beard. So I never saw the movie. I, you never I think, saw the movie? No, I, I haven't seen I, it. I, go, I, I go. watched. Oh, you have to see it. I, I remember that inter, that very famous or infamous interview. interview. Yeah, I remember all the stuff for like leading up to it. Uh, yeah, I just remember the one line. You know, it's like, "Oh, uh, Joaquin, I'm sorry, you couldn't be here." Well, Rotten <laughs> yeah, Tomatoes, yeah, that's right. That was yeah. the line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a fifty-three <laughs> percent. Yeah, I I think that's why I took a pass on it too. Is when it came out, and I mean maybe it was so fresh from like the bizarre like marketing campaign for yeah. it. Uh, Pretty genius yeah. marketing campaign though, because who wasn't talking about him? But I think it backfired on the film because I don't think the film did that well. I, I don't think the film did well. Like I don't think critically did well. I don't think it connected with audiences in, in particular. So they might have pushed yeah. it a little bit too far. Yeah, I think he had to recover from that. Actually, I think it took him a while to recover. 
Um, did anybody see her? Oh, I love her. Love her. Oh, that's up your alley. Yeah, probably. Corey, it's, uh, I don't know, what, how, do you, how would you describe it? It's kind of hard to describe. It, it, it's hard to describe just because it, it's so, uh, I don't want to say futuristic, uh, just with, with the AI and the phone, uh, Scarlett Johansson's incredible voiceover performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, like, for me, somebody who is addicted to my phone, like, I thought that movie was so real in like the most perfect way it's like yeah. everything that i love about sci-fi it's our world like a couple of years into the future and he falls in love with his yeah. ai i think i may have seen that one yeah it's yeah, it, i mean it's not that far off from reality it's not that far off we at live all. in a society where people are marrying their sex dolls <laughs> But not, not. <laughs> this is what Corey brings to the show. Yeah. <laughs> the news that none of us read. Yeah. <laughs> Howard Wallowitz. <laughs> I, I think with modern dating, uh, like people use Tinder and apps, uh, and people get into these long distance like uh, relationships with people uh, just by texting and talking o- over the phone without ever meeting, and really you can form you know this really deep connection without having that like physical touch. Yeah. And I think that's becoming more and more uh, popular yeah. nowadays and that the movie just took it to like the next level. Well people are getting lazy. <laughs> it's you like going out for coffee. It's like going out to shows. I mean people are lazy. They just don't wanna, you know, go out or, or same as with their their meeting people. They just, you know, they can just do it from, from home. Like te- the way technology is now, I mean they even have I mean I, I'm sure they haven't perfected it. But say they have, say, robotic arms or whatnot, when you move them, and at the other end, say you're from Australia or whatever, you could have them moving at the same time. So you could, you know, if you wanted to, say, play cards or something, just just weird or just, you know, whatever. The sex suit does exist. Yeah, (laughs) it does. It exists. Yeah, it's it's tactile, so if you're touching, on your end, you're touching, we'll say the neck. Yeah. You're touching someone's neck. Right. On on their, their in their suit, they'll feel the touch on their neck. Now, can you automate it? So if you want to say a massage or something, you could massage someone, you know, having a put program. It, like, put it on repeat? You run a program <laughs> through your suit. See? Okay. Um, here's one that... Uh, <laughs> actually, I heard about... I was listening to morning radio, so this is where I got this from. Is that uh, a thing? Yeah. Morning radio? <laughs> yeah. And drive to work. Apparently, there is something along the lines of the Fleshlight that is Bluetooth compatible. Yes. Yep, I've heard of the Fleshlight. Yep, where you can purchase a blowjob from a porn star. You can download. <laughs> download the program. Yeah, they, they just have to do it once, and they just get royalties. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's actually... Continuation yeah, of royalties. That's, yeah. Not, that's not far off from the truth. That's actually... All these different porn stars... And you can. I wonder what it would like if it was her, or then you can yeah. say, and then you can compare. Yeah, it's this is actually. Do they have that rating in porn, like the best? I don't know, whatever. I think they do See, actually. Corey always goes off the rails. Yeah, I but, like it though. But again, you know, it kind of comes down to desire. desire. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Desire. <laughs> So, Ryan, do you think uh, a Sean Geek t-shirt with the word desire on it, it would be red, 
the, so the t-shirt would be black or the t-shirt could be red and with black writing and it would just say desire on the bottom mm. or that, we could just have we have, each one of us will have our own catchphrase on the on the shirt there you go that way you can distinguish hey you two. should design different uh <laughs> i'm putting this guy to work yeah <laughs> we, should, we should do the uh the head but do the you know do the do the foreheads get tracy in there too yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's that? I'd buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only problem is your brother, you and your brother would look very. Similar. Yeah, we look very similar. Have the goatee. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, the goatee. Yeah, yeah, that would look good in there. Yeah. Next movie. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, this isn't easy to fill up time. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange two in the uh, multiverse of madness. Oh yeah. Haven't actually seen anything about it, but yeah, I'm very excited for. It. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Why? So why that one? So the MCU is in a really interesting place right now, having just finished Endgame, so the next movie isn't out yet. Um, they're kind of in a rebuilding phase right now. Like if, it, if it's in sports, this is definitely a rebuilding year for them. Yep. Because uh, they lost all their big actors. They lost all the big actors. Uh, the momentum of the whole franchise it's kind of I think it's kind of slowed down just because we, we don't really know what's next yep. for them I think it's you know because we reached the kind of pinnacle of the current phase right so how do you build how do you how how is your next build going to work yeah so, so the big question is how they introduce Fantastic Four and Mutants into into their existing universe where all, all those topics uh, had in the comic books at least had been around since the 40s or or, or before that uh, so why haven't we seen any mention of mutants in the current MCU and I think by doing uh, the multiverse by opening that up there's just you know infinite stories that we can now tell mm-hmm. and now we have ways of that bridging. you couldn't do before exactly and yeah. we have ways of bridging uh, ideas and stories that they couldn't do before so I think I think for that. I I I that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. I really like the first Doctor Strange. Maybe it didn't, you know, wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I like I liked it so much because of the possibility. With I mean, Doctor Strange in the comics is kind of like the the guy in in a lot of ways. He's kind of the most powerful, but he's also the most understated. Yeah. Um, did you know that WandaVision leads into Doctor Strange? Yep. So it'll be, you know, just from synergy, uh, be interesting that now we have to uh, uh, get Disney Plus and watch uh, watch all, all the announced TV shows to see exactly how they tie into the movies, especially in this particular one where they're saying that there's a direct connection from one to the other. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, like, if it's just one giant continuation or see what the tonal shift will be. Um, I think they've announced that this movie is going to be more of a horror movie edge. Yep. Which will be interesting because I, I don't necessarily see how the multiverse and horror connect, but interested to see how they do it. Wow. Um, okay, Hall, well, I've got a theory on that. Yeah. <laughs> of course I do. Um, so the multiverse of madness, I think that says a lot. I think what happened after the big... when How many times did did a snap happen? Let's count them. So the first one was when Thanos did it. In uh, Infinity War, right? Mm-hmm. The next snap was the Hulk, Hulk. right? No, actually, it wouldn't have been Thanos again when he uh, destroyed the Infinity Stones. Yep. Stones. Oh yeah. Third snap was the Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. 
fourth snap was? Tony Stark. Yep. Four snaps. The fabric of the universe really got tested at that point. And in fact, all the snaps, uh, all the snaps in, involved Earth in a way. There was humans there, humankind, like the planet Earth. Like we were all impacted. We were we all had some impact on when, when that snap happened and why that snap happened. Right? right for every single one, of, and for most of them, the ones that Thanos didn't did didn't do. There were human beings that did it. So now, the Earth. The entire universe is aware of the Earth. They might not have been before, but all those big classic guys like the Inbetweener, uh, Eternity, all those cosmic beings from the comic, they're all aware of the Earth right now. So the Fantastic Four, my theory is the Fantastic Four have all along been working on multiverse stuff because that's what they do in the comics. They're Imaginauts. They go to other universes, learn about those cultures, and you know take that learning back to Earth. That's what they do. So with all those four snaps that happened, the very fabric of the universe has been not broken, but the veil between universes is thin now because there's been irreparable damage that's been done. So the veil between universes is thin, and I think we're going to see the horror elements of other universes starting to bleed into ours. And that's what I think Doctor Strange is going to be about, is fixing a lot of that crap that's happened. But in the interim, I think that Reed Richards has been working with the government all along uh, with his Fantastic Four, whether they have powers or not, I don't know. But all along they've been working with the government on fixing things, you know, repairing rifts, that sort of stuff. All the stuff that Tony's not doing, because Tony never played nice. He played with S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit, but he didn't play nice with S.H.I.E.L.D. either. So I think the government needed a smart guy to work with to do all this stuff. And because Tony wasn't available, because he's a dick, right? They've been working with Reed all this time. And now with Tony gone and the irreparable damage that Tony did when he did the snap, because everyone saw him do the snap, he's kind of, he might be viewed as a bit of a bad guy by the government. So I think that... Reed is going to be forced to come to the forefront. He's been around all along, but maybe his Fantastic Four had been in the negative zone or one of the other dimensions. And maybe they come back from wherever they are to say, okay, what's going on? The whole universe is broken. I, I have to fix this. And they're going to be forced to be in the public eye. So I think they've been around all along, and I think they're the ones that bought, bought Stark Tower. <laughs> and that's where the Baxter building is going to be. So you think they're going to bother with the uh, origin story again, or are they just going to go straight into... I think they're going to go straight in, maybe flashback, kind of the history. I think they're going to say, oh, he's been around, he's been helping the government all along, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I think he's also been part of the um, the Illuminati. Do you, you read comic books, right? Yeah. You're familiar with the Illuminati, yeah. so that was a secret. It was a secret cabal of Reed Richards, uh, Professor Xavier, Tony Stark, uh, Stephen Strange, behind the scenes, and they're making sure that the universe stays intact, and that they're do they're a secret society that makes sure nothing is is breaking, you know, and it's all secret. So I think that's always existed behind the scenes, and I think Tony refused membership into that group but i think reed richards is part of that group and they've always been behind the scenes fixing things that's my theory so okay. do, you, do you think that's part of like their main universe or do you think it was, it's in a different um different part of the multiverse no i think they're here i think they're here but i think this is the way they're going to introduce namor because there's these all these rumors of namor showing up in black panther 2 
uh, Wakanda's going to be at war with Atlantis. Those rumors are going around. Uh, they're trying to secure the rights to Namor because it currently belongs to Universal. Because they sold the Hulk and Namor to Universal back in the day. You know, I always thought that Jason Momoa would have been made a better uh, Namor than oh, uh, God, yeah. Aquaman. But I think they're going to get The Rock or Keanu Reeves for Namor. Actually, I've been hearing uh, Keanu Reeves uh, attached to Moon Knight. Ooh. I like that. It's just a rumor, but... Anyway, that's my theory on all that stuff. I go into much more detail. But the uh, the WandaVision, there, it's set like a 50s sitcom. That's how the show is going to play out. Okay. Uh, it's going to have the, was it sepia-toned or whatever they call it? And I think that she goes, when Vision dies, she goes crazy. And she has the ability, I mean, she has the, she herself has the ability of one of the Infinity Stones. They clearly said that she's the only one that can destroy an Infinity Stone. So she is an Infinity Stone herself. She sees. I think in the comics, if you guys recall, she, she, there was that issue where she said no more mutants, and then half the mutant population died when she said that. She has the power at that level. I think she's introducing mutants somehow. I don't. There'll be some take, so something happens towards the end of that series, and then that'll lead into it screws everything up, and then she's in the Doctor Strange movie, and maybe she's working with him to fix what she did. She invented her children in that series. She actually wished them into existence because okay. she wanted children so bad. So do you think she's going to tie in with Magneto eventually? I would love that. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. No, So I don't know how the mutants are going to show up, but I think that's how Fantastic Four. But what, do you have a theory on how the mutant, they can bring the mutants in? Um... <laughs> They've almost kind of painted themselves into a corner where it's going to be very difficult to do because uh, you want to honor the legacy of the comics, but at the same time, um, with the MCU being so popular, it, it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to say that there's been like hundreds of, you know, additional superheroes running around, especially uh, in Endgame. When, yeah, when all, like... all the Earth or all the universe's heroes come together. So why were they not represented in those fights? That, yep. Yeah. So, so they're they're gonna have to come up with something. Uh, one of, one of the ideas I I had was perhaps also relating to the snap. So uh, for everybody that was involved in the blip and that came back, perhaps that altered their DNA somehow, and mm. that somehow those are the mutants. That would lead to the mutants. That's good. I didn't think of that. I like that. Because then it can kind of tie into your idea, too. So you've always had a Reed Richards, like yeah. this like brilliant person working with the government. Uh, but their, their, their powers don't, their power sets don't show up until kind of like the modern uh, whatever year, year they introduce us. So it explains why they weren't there for all these big battles, but why you can have them going forward. I think, too, because they, they had that five-year gap. They created, they created a five-year gap. I think maybe the Fantastic Four started at the beginning of that five-year gap. And maybe the mutants started at that five-year gap. But th- there's only five years of it, so maybe there's only, you know, it's kind of like the first hundred issues of the X-Men comic where they're never really out in the world and all the fights they have are all behind the scenes and no one's aware of them and it's all kind of really quiet and it wasn't 
you know, it wasn't until later where, like in uh, in the Dark Phoenix movie where Professor Charles Xavier is a celebrity and mutants are celebrities. And, like, I think they're really underground and hidden. And maybe they started at that first snap. Like, that's, I like that theory a lot. Hmm. I think you'd always just have Deadpool come in, break the fourth wall and say, listen, you and I know it's all about the studios. <laughs> <laughs> so just accept it. Yeah. What are they going to do with Deadpool? What do you think? So. I know you have a theory about this. I can tell. Just lo- looking at what Bob Iger said, um, th- there seems to be somewhat of a reversal of policy. Uh, at um, CinemaCon, he did a presentation, and he said that they're going to continue making Deadpool movies, but they're going to make it under the Fox banner. Um, oh. And so you're just going to have standalone Deadpool movies, kind of a continuation um, okay. of the current co- continuity. But there's uh, rumors right now that Disney is planning on eliminating the Fox brand in the next couple of years. Oh. And so that idea would no longer... Like the Fox logo and everything? Yep. I think that's a bad move. So okay. all, all, all their movies right now are... The existing slate of Fox movies are underperforming in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Biggest one being Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix yep. losing them a bunch of money. Uh, so there's this idea that, that you know, with the brand tanking, D- Disney will just cut it off and just integrate whatever properties they want into their current fold and then eliminate the rest. Uh so in that case, you would have to fold Deadpool into the MCU, which I don't know how well it's going to work because, you know, you have to make that Disney brand, you have to make it PG-13, yep. whereas Deadpool, you know, it's... works a lot better as an R-rated property. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's even harder than R in some instances. It, it, yeah. it, it definitely is. And you, you can't go from R, drop it down to PG-13. No. It's easier to go from PG-13 to R because yeah. uh, it'll, it'll just feel tonally so different. So I'm hoping that they just do him as a standalone character, not connected to the MCU, or just have him pop up like in, in cameos, because he is that kind of character that can. Cross he can over. cameo really yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think too, like, because in the comics, keep in mind, like he's always bleeped out in the comics, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, when he makes a PG-13 appearance, he could just be him. Hey, bleep, 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 bleep. And which is has humor in it as well, right? Yeah. So just when he's in an MCU film, that's how they do it. But how are they going to... Because I know the thing I heard is... So they have their streaming service, Disney+, Plus, but they also have Hulu. So I think they've got lots of R-rated movies that under the Fox banner. I think what they're going to do is all the R-rated... Anything you know higher than a PG-13 is going to show on Hulu. And everything else can show in Disney Disney Plus. So, but but then do they brand do they brand it different like Disney Adult or or, or something or a completely different Disney name? After Dark, <laughs> Disney Desire. Uh, I don't even I don't even think they're going to be putting the Fox PG thirteen stuff on Disney Plus. I think they're they're pretty adamant that they want that to be more Disney proper. Yeah, um, and they're like. The content that they've specifically created, with the exception of The Simpsons. Um, oh yeah, because they have The Simpsons now too. Simpsons on Disney Plus. Uh, they've already re- released a list of uh, movies that are coming out 
for uh, what they're initially offering with Disney Plus. Really? And there, there's well, I missed no, that. Yeah, I think it came out uh, this week. I'm gonna look that so, up. So this is a new station. It's a new. It's like a new, new Netflix, network? but specifically yeah. for uh, Disney properties because they own not only their their whole like vault and legacy of movies, but they have uh, the MCU. They have uh, Star Wars universe. They've got Pixar. So they've got so much content right now, plus whatever they picked up from Fox, that they could launch a competing service against Netflix. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I see the headline here. Well, they have enough content. Because they have Alien. Like, Alien is, is part of that, too. Term, wait, Terminator is that? Terminator's not Fox, is no. it? No. Alien's Fox. Um, Predator. Day One Library Overview. Here we go. The, the Marvel movie. Oh, oh come on. Oh, it wants me to watch an ad first. Uh, here we go. Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, Thor the Dark World. That'll be on day one. See, Endgame is really... Like, that. the fact that that's a PG-13... Like, that was... I mean, they chopped off Thanos' head in it. Like, But there's no Endgame, blood. Sorry, like, the final one. There's no blood. That's the thing. Yeah. And also, remember, you can push violent content... Like PG thirteen, you can push violence pretty hard. Uh, it's when it comes to swearing and nudity, which are staples of the Deadpool franchise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they also get High School Musical, which I know you're all looking forward to. The world Quite according to Jeff are. Goldblum. Sounds awesome. <laughs> well, I'm, in. I'm in. I'm uh, in. Lady and the Tramp. Wow. All right. Is that the live action? Uh, no. No, that's the 55 cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> My friends were in LA a couple weeks ago and they randomly bumped into Jeff Goldblum and his wife, like, just, they were leaving a restaurant and they're like, and this girl's like, oh, can I get a picture? And Goldblum's like, of course. And then, of course, really? Yeah. Yeah. And he was super nice and gracious and just started, like, talking to her and started telling stories. And then he's, like, talking and talking. And she's almost like, all right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we have somewhere to be right now. But yeah, no, he seems like a really awesome, awesome person. So, uh, my, I have another take on the X Men and how they're going to introduce the X Men. They're going to introduce the the X Men in Frozen Two. That would make sense. <laughs> no, just I mean kidding. Elsa's pretty much a mutant. Well, she is yeah, a mutant. She is, right? She's yeah. like she's Ice Ice Man or Ice Woman, I guess. Well, she could be Ice Man's real mother. But there's another person. I don't know. if you, I, I'm going to see Frozen 2 because I have two girls. I don't have a choice. I have to see anything that's female-centric. Uh, even the dog is a woman. As a woman, as a girl. In my house, I'm completely surrounded. So we're But the trailer for Frozen 2, which I've seen probably about 37 times, they introduce another mutant in that trailer. With has other powers. Heat? Like the opposite? No, no, no. Nope. It's uh, like nature and stuff. Okay. So, anyway. Anyway, so... Next movie. Next movie is the new Spawn. Oh, is that still happening? Uh, as far, far as I know, it's uh, the it's, Todd McFarlane directed Spawn, right? Right. Like, this is it's turning into Todd McFarlane's Chinese Democracy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so true. But the the hoops that he has to jump through to get this movie made is ridiculous. Yeah, it's almost Spider Man bad for getting it made, right? Yeah, he seems to have uh, a vision of what he wants, and he won't compromise that vision, and he'll take his property and walk away if he doesn't get it. But then again, he's a first-time director with no real movie experience. Yeah, so, so who's going to who's gonna give him money? But, I mean, he has more money than God. Uh, well, I think Bloomhouse is the one who's fronting the bill. Yeah. Bloomhouse, yeah. yeah. 
Which is an interesting combination. So J Jamie Foxx is Bond, Jason Blumhouse uh, producing, and uh, McFarlane directing. So that's so, so a very interesting combination of uh, of players there. I mean, it could work. He's going to finance. He's probably going to partially finance it himself too. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to get a producer credit because I'm sure he's putting his own probably money executive in it too. producer. Because back in the day when he was doing Spider Man, he was getting he he was getting paid millions a month to make Spider Man. Yeah, the first artist to you know at that level. But I mean, you know, there's there's a history for creators of properties, you know, directing the films themselves. You know, Clive Barker was you know one of the big ones. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, he directed uh, Hellraiser, directed Nightbreed. Yep. And I mean, you know, they're maybe not the greatest movies, but they are certainly iconic and yeah. introduced something that hadn't really been seen before. Yeah, very true. So I think, you know, having, uh, but then again, you know, <laughs> go to Frank Miller, you know, without Robert Rodriguez uh, propping up, you get the spirit. Yeah. Ooh. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> That's really rough. Yeah. Did you like the original Spawn? Like the original Spawn movie? <sighs> With John Luguiziamo <laughs> as uh, the clown? Luguiziamo, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was 12 when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think I've seen it since then. I bought it. <laughs> you know, for what it was, it was... It was okay for what yeah. it was at yeah. the time, I think. I thought the art direction in it was really good. Like, yeah. it's scenes, visuals from the movie still kind of stand out to me. It's, yeah. uh, you know, being very strong. You I know. think John Leguizamo actually pretty much stole every scene oh, he yeah. was in. I like, I, like, I like him. Yeah. Yeah, every memory I have of that movie revolves around him. Yep. And then there was, there was the R-rated cut, which is even slightly better, if I recall. I don't know if I saw the R-rated cut. Oh. What about the uh, cartoon TV series? Did you watch that? Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you like? What? What are you laughing? Yeah, no, I bought it. Yeah, it's headed on VHS. <laughs> VHS. <laughs> totally. It was awesome. Myself. Yeah. Um, There's dating it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I liked about the comics in particular there was like a philosophical edge to, yep. that, to that property that never translated particularly into the movie. Yeah. I can remember for, I the agree. for the longest time, McFarlane was saying he'd love to do a Spawn movie without actually even having Spawn there, just having like the concept of him somewhere in the background. Uh, like, I think that you can make a much deeper version of that movie than what they've done in the past. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what he comes up with. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree that who knows if this thing is actually going to get made uh, with all the behind-the-scenes drama right now. It'd be nice to see, uh, nice to see McFarlane. I mean, is is the Spawn comic still a thing? Is it still happening? I don't think so. I don't think so either. He's yeah. been doing his action figures, and he wasn't even writing the Spawn series for the longest time. He had you know people doing it for him. Yeah. Like drawing it and everything. Okay, what else? Whatever that that's three now. All right, one, that was four. two, three, that's four. Okay, what's your fifth? Um, fifth one. Oh, uh, the Birds of Prey. Oh yeah, of Har Harley Quinn. Oh yeah. No, it's still Margot Robbie. Uh, Margot Ro Robbie. 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 Yeah. Robbie. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for that one. I think it's going to be good. So who's who's the who do they have for the Birds of Prey in it? Uh, Ruby Rose is uh, Batwoman. <clears throat> Do they have a Black Canary? Is the Black Canary in this iteration? 
See, I actually know the least about this particular one. I just the, the reason why I picked it is I just thought it was interesting that DC is actually continuing their the continuity from their Justice League Suicide Squad. Yeah, because it, it it almost felt for a while there that they were moving in a different direction because no, nothing really in Suicide Squad worked, uh, at least. Uh, oh god. Uh, like critically, it probably worked if they let the edit, the right edit, come out. Like I wonder if they're ever going to do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just like conceptually, in that movie, like nothing happens. Like it's yeah. it's, it's the the smallest, mo- most low stakes mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. You know, with this giant budget and this huge cast. Yep. What I found interesting is you know that it felt like it ended about what forty five minutes before it actually did. <laughs> Yeah, because you know there's a scene where they're all sitting in the bar, and it's like, okay, well, this is the end of the movie, and then it kept going from there. I was excited because Adam Beach was in it. Like, yeah, that was, yeah. That was pretty cool. Even though he was completely wasted in the film, yeah, like he was. They did not. I think everyone was wasted in that film. Yeah. yeah, Jared Leto probably being the most. Yeah, because it's hard to even get like a, a sense of what his Joker was. No, I don't. I, I don't know that people piss on his Joker, but. We can't piss him. We don't know what his Joker was. Yeah. We don't. He was over-advertising the... Uh, yeah. Like, their entire campaign surrounded... Yep. Jared Leto's Joker. And Academy then, Award-winning Jared Leto as the Joker. And then he wasn't even in there for that much. And, and then you hear the behind-the-scenes stuff about, like, how he went so deep into character and he, you know, wasn't the table reads because he wanted to, like, maintain, um, you know whatever aura he was going for, uh, his character isn't interacting with the, the cast for the majority of the movie, so he didn't want to have that relationship with them, and then he was sending them all sorts of weird... Weird sh- dead rats. Gifts. Weird yeah. items, dead rats, or weirder. Uh, it had so much talk and hype went into what that character was, all for like eight minutes of screen time. Yeah. It yeah. like, doesn't affect the plot of the movie one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the a waste. More, she was good though. Like yeah. I have to admit, like Margot Robbie, uh, anything she's in. Like have you have you seen other Margot Robbie movies? Oh yeah, I mean uh, Wolf of Wall Street. She's great in that. I've seen. Did you see I Tanya? And uh, oh, she phenomenal. Oh. Phenomenal. See that one? No, I haven't. Todd? Yes. <laughs> Just bear in mind, I have children. If it's not uh, Paw Patrol, or, yeah, yeah. You know, YouTube videos. It's on. It's on Netflix. That's yeah. where we saw it. It's she. She is. She is. One of those actresses that, like, she's not just an actress. She's got that Brad Pitt level of. I don't know. There's. She has that it thing. Yeah. She can lose herself in a role and yeah. like craft these very different type of characters. Like she could do that low class you know, understated athlete, or she could be uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, Sharon Tate. Yeah. Okay, so to add a sixth uh, sixth one here, how about uh, Marco Robbie as, uh, Robbie as uh, Tank Girl? Is, oh, that, is that happening? It may be. No. She oh. gave her birth, like, uh, last week. Because, oh. yeah. frankly, if anybody's going to uh, be able to match Lori Petty as uh, Tank oh, Girl. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah. She's about the only she one that I can think of, yeah. So, Oscar-winning Margot Robbie, yeah, Oscar-winning Joaquin Phoenix. I'd like to see them in a movie together, because yeah. I mean they're two two actors that are at the top of their game. I know the obvious thing is, oh, we have a Joker Harley Quinn, 
movie, but I don't think we need to. But I would like to see them in a movie together. Period. I don't care what kind of movie it is. It doesn't. I'm not seeing superhero, but I think those two in a film. That's like get like I don't know. Well, Scorsese is the director or something. Or if they're doing Tank Girl, you know, it could easily you know work in a role for. Joaquin oh yeah. Phoenix. Because I think she like we were saying, Joaquin Phoenix is like the top guy the best working actor, but I think she's probably the best working actress. Yeah. Or, I, I think in, or top in, five for sure. I, I think in particular after Joker where his, like Joaquin Phoenix has never really done these genre movies before. No. So I think he's going to be opened up to a, a whole new audience of people. And I think he is going to jump from being, I, I would say that put him in like the top 10. I think he'll go from that top 10 conversation to top five conversation. Oh yeah. And she's, Arguably num- the number one sought yeah. after actress right now. Yeah, I think it's a no brainer that some producer oh, puts yeah. them both in a movie in the next little bit greenlit in the next year even. Mister and Mrs. Smith sequel <laughs> 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 with those two in the leads. <laughs> Could be my wife's favorite movie, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of good in that. It's fun. Yeah, it was fun. Um, it's eleven o'clock. Yes, it is. It is. And you got to be somewhere? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so do I. Uh, so let's cap it off there. I want to thank Ryan for coming in. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Great having you. Uh, pimp your stuff. Where do we go to find you? Pimp my stuff. Uh, yeah, so uh, check out uh, my band, Disraeli Dreamers. Um, we're back on Facebook. Is it at Disraeli Dreamers? Is that right? I don't even know. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Put those funny. It's uh, at Disraeli Dreamers. Yeah. Now is it the one word? Is it at or is it the at sign? No, the at sign. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we we just uh, put together a video uh, just the other week uh, for a cover of a, a Tea Party song, uh, Psycho Pump. A little brand new video up from us, and um, probably see more content on the channel shortly as some of these older tunes uh, start making their way out. And for sure, we'll have some announcements coming up soon about where you can see us next. You can also listen to the first two EPs on everything, right? Absolutely. I think it's still on everything, right? Yep. I have it saved on my uh, Best of Winnipeg playlist. Yeah, you also have, yeah, actually, uh, the Winnipeg playlist. You created a Winnipeg playlist on Spotify. I did. Which I copied on Google Play. Do you remember what it's called? Best of Winnipeg Indie? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Because I, I emulated the same title on uh, Google Play. Um, it's awesome. It's the best of Winnipeg Indie music, and it's got everything on there. It, it, was, it was super hard to put together. Um, I was trying to just pick one song from every band. Uh, when I started making the list, I thought I'd have it maybe 20, 30, and then it ended up being, you know, like 130, 140. Yeah. Bands. It took me so two like, hours to recreate it on Google. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm doing I'm like, oh, there's so many songs and so many things I'd like to put in here. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to be fair to the artists because as I was putting it together, uh, people started having opinions of what should and shouldn't be there. So got a lot of feedback on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what shouldn't be there? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, favorite band in the city right now? You can't name Fa- yourself though. <laughs> favorite, favorite's hard. Um, favorite right now? I, I don't mean right. I mean right now is in this in the last minute because that could change a minute from now. <laughs> sure, that, that, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna say Exomerta. Exomerta. Okay. Yeah, they they released uh, just a phenomenal album 
a month or so ago. Um, they're one of the best live shows in the city. Um, they're they're doing really big things on the business side. Uh, one of their tracks just landed on Billboard, and uh, really? they're getting oh, okay. they're getting uh, major FM station play throughout Canada right now. So for me, those are the guys to watch. Yep, you played with them, remember, Dad? Mm-hmm. Yep. Jaw, jaw. Yeah, they've they, they certainly come a long way. Like even in the past year, just in the last year, for it, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, very unique stage presence, very, very unique look. Like, they do stand out. They're not just kind of blended in with everything else. They kind of have their own their own thing, which is super important. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're very good at, um, like, branding, but their color scheme, like, everything they do is on point. Like those guys really micromanage just their whole image Yep. in a way that I think more people should uh, pay attention to. Mm-hmm. It ain't just about the music. It's all about uh, how you put it all together. Exactly. Right now, I'd I'd consider them the gold standard. Um, And I know you said one band, but also throw out the Amadians, too, sort of in a different genre. Uh, Man, are those guys good. Yeah, they also have a new EP out. Uh, They are doing phenomenal things. They're getting all the super gigs in the city right now. Yeah. Opening up for, like, you know decent decent name uh, artists like uh, open for Biff Naked they played the Bombers halftime show like they're you can take a listen there. to them too because they've been on uh, just about every local podcast from Witch Police to uh, the Winnipeg Music Project to Paper Cuts I think they've been on all three of those shows which is actually an impressive feat uh, you can hear music their original music on there and kind of meet meet the band yeah, just every single person in that band is on point. Yep. Okay. Sweet. Cap it off there. All right, then. All right, we'll see you guys on the flip side. See ya.